G'day Trail Runners, welcome to episode 25 of the Trail Runners Experience. So I'm very excited about today's episode. Um, I get to interview one of Australia's best marathon runners, none other than Adelaide's very own Jessica Trengove. Now, if you don't know Jess, here's a very brief rundown. She is the equal sixth fastest Australian woman of all time over the marathon, with a marathon PB of two hours and 25 minutes and 59 seconds. Um, she's the 17th fastest over 10,000 meters with a, with a time of 32 minutes and 17 seconds. She has an amazing half marathon PB of one hour, 10 minutes and 59 seconds. And she's a blazingly fast 5,000 meter runner as well, uh, clocking a PB of just under 16 minutes. Now, I um, as we sat down in the cafe, now this episode, was recorded probably a bit noisy with the background music uh, there's things going on in the background so i really hope it doesn't d distract too much from the amazing conversation that jess and i had so um we covered a whole bunch of topics jess is also a physiotherapist so she's got a lot of knowledge about um mechanics and running in general with her incredible experiences and um yeah we talked all things all things running today so uh, stick your headphones on and um, go for a run and listen to this awesome episode with Jess Trengove. Hey guys, just wanted to uh, check in with everyone and see how your mental health is going today. So after last week's episode with Simone Brick, I did a lot of thinking and um, I've decided to make 2009, not, oh, what year is it, 2019, a year that we really focus, that I'm going to focus on my own mental health and really make it be the best version of myself that I can be. And um, and I thought that I'm going to share that with everyone else and I'd like to, I think it's important that we start making this a, a conversation. So every week expect to hear something about a, an organisation, this, and I think I'll, I'll stick it with, um, stick with Beyond Blue for now, they're a fantastic um, organization there's lots of support on their website so it's never a bad time to ask for help and the beyond blue website has lots of uh, interesting links and activities that can help you really um, learn a bit about your own mental health so if you're not feeling great or if you know someone that's not feeling great maybe have a check out this website so beyondblue.org.au um, there's lots of activities that you can you can do about um, teaches you about fun activities to do on your own, learning about mindfulness. Um, there is some really f um, some good facts about depression and anxiety and mental health in general. So um, check it out. All right. Okay, we're coming to you live from 94 Degrees West, one of Adelaide's finest cafes, and I'm sitting here with two-time Olympian, Jess Tringo. Welcome, Jess. Thank you. <laughs> Great to uh, talk to you. Thanks for uh, giving your time. I think a lot of the listeners will get a lot out of what you've got to share. Now, even though this is the trail runners experience, and it's directed at trail runners, <laughs> today we're just going to look at the road as like a type of trail. 
Sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> the bitumen trail. So, being, I mean, but you're not just a road runner though, are you? You spend a bit of time on the track as well? Yeah, my favourite runs are through trails. I mean, Switzerland, St. Moritz, that's my ultimate place to run and that's a very traily. Oh, really? <laughs> Do you go there for training camps and stuff? I've been there twice and um, it certainly makes me excited about you know, the future and a few trail runs, hopefully. <laughs> oh, really? Ah, that's one of the things I wanted to get to, is ask you, because I, I thought maybe by the end of this, I could convert you into a trail runner. <laughs> I don't think you'll have to try too hard to convert me. Oh, really? <laughs> um, no, it's the best. I mean, these, you know, a lot of trail runners, most trail runners start out on the road. I've only actually ever done two marathons myself, two actual road marathons. And then I um, got onto, a, I did the Eurobilla Trail, as a, as a race, I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I was like, that's it, I'm done, done with it. <laughs> and I keep saying every year, it's like, oh, I've got to go back and try and better my marathon PB. But then I ended up doing more and more trails. So yeah, and you do need to condition yourself for the road running. It's obviously it's very different. Quite a yeah, mm. different biomechanics and whatnot. So I can see how it is difficult to go between the two. Yeah, I um lately I've been doing quite a lot of road, and so um. It's been it's been quite nice. I um I actually have enjoyed it more than I thought I would. So I mean a lot of trail runners are always seeking more and more elevation, and I um which is good because you get strong you know you get strong in the legs. But I like to I maintain a little bit of speed by staying flat. Mm -hmm. And um but a few weeks ago I did a race and I, I sprained my ankle. So, you know in in years and years of running I've only ever injured myself once before. So you know pretty good. No, yeah. I sprained my ankle so. I got, you know, I got advised to stay off the um, trails yeah, for a little while, yeah. and so back to some more flat road running, which has been good. But of course, the first run I did back after a little layoff, I rolled my ankle again. I was going to say you trip over a gutter or something. It, it's exactly what oh, I did. No. Just, I think it was more that I was just so nervous. Yeah. But it was okay. I was like, ah, oh. it just sort of woke me up and go, okay, eyes open. <laughs> well, I had a big stack on the track the other night because I put spikes on, which I hadn't done for a while, and yeah. of course you've got to lift your feet a little bit more. I um, kicked the track and went tumbling down. So falls can happen everywhere. Oh, <laughs> that hurt. Yeah. It yeah. Did. <laughs> um, no major injuries though. No, just yeah. a bruised knee, and kneecap. <laughs> bruised ego as well. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you spend a fair bit of time on the track training? No, well, I guess the track for me is um, an opportunity to try and run fast, and I see that, um, I guess, is important for improving my speed for 10K, half marathon, marathon racing, but I definitely don't feel as natural in spikes on the track. I, I like to be you know, out with a, with changing scenery. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, you've done quite a few big marathons, obviously, like, um, you know, running through major cities in the world. And, I mean, how does the feeling of competing on track in front of a big crowd compare to running in a big city marathon or something? Like, so, yeah. say, 10,000 metres on the track. I'd get a lot more nervous for a track race, um, even just a local 10k track race makes me more nervous, just knowing that you've got 25 laps of the same yeah. um, and you're on show the whole time, there's nowhere to hide and yeah. one thing I love about you know marathon running is there are times where you're sort of just out and you have a bit of peace and yeah. there's this sort of camaraderie between runners which I gather you have a lot of in the ultra races as well, this yeah. sense of you're not just... I guess trying to beat the person beside you, you're trying to conquer the 
the distance and the event itself. So you, there's a sense of, I guess, empathy yeah. between, amongst all the runners, and Absolutely. I love that. Um, I was just, I'll, I'll come, I want to come back to your career in a second and talk about yeah. your, the long, your long and amazing career. But um, just when, in thinking that camaraderie, at um, 2016 at the Rio Olympics, yeah. um, I know it was. It seemed like particularly trying conditions. I mean, I watched every minute of both the men's and the women's marathon. Yeah. Hot and humid. Yeah. And it seemed like really difficult conditions to run in. Mm. Um, was there? A, is there a sense of camaraderie in an event at that level, or is it more just a full-on battle? Um, the Olympics less so um, between countries, but within countries there certainly can be that yeah. sense of. I guess camaraderie. I actually experienced it more probably in Moscow in 2013 at the World Championships. Oh wow! That race was run at 1 p.m. in the afternoon for the Japanese TV rights. I think. Yeah. Um, that's why they had it in the afternoon, and it was 31 degrees, really humid, and I think only a wow. third of the race actually finished. Wow! And that day, a British girl um, within the race you know, handed me a sponge and we sort of became mates within the race just to try and survive it yeah. together. So that was a race that really stands out to me as one where, you know, we were working as a team. Um, yeah. Rio, it was hot. Um, I'd had a bit of a challenging lead up to that one. So I was, I always knew that was going to be a really tough race, but more through lack of conditioning and, and running probably more so than the, the heat. <laughs> you still ran a, a great race though in the end. Yeah, I was yeah. happy. I was happy with how I um, approached it. I sort of went out um, moderately conservatively and by halfway when I was feeling okay I decided to try and push the pace and just break up the pack that I was in and attacked it which meant that it was brutal later on yeah. <laughs> it all started to catch up with me but I was happy that I went into the race still open-minded and ready to attack it even though you know my preparation hadn't quite um, been as I liked it yeah that's amazing um and I mean I I, I love the marathon I think it's one of the best I, I, as a spectator I could sit there and watch marathons all day like I just <laughs> I love the tactics I love you know I'm I love the, 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 the length of it, yeah. you know, it's, I, and I, people will say, someone said to me, while they were watching test cricket, they were watching a, 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 you know, a test cricket match which goes for, I don't know, five, six days, yeah. but marathon is so boring to watch, why would you want to watch a marathon? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> hypocrisy, <laughs> you're watching a game that goes for, for days and days yeah. and it can still end in a draw, yeah. and, and marathon's over in a couple of hours. And it's very and, unlikely to end in a draw. No, I know. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I just think, I, sometimes I think I'm very un-Australian because I, I can't stand cricket and I, and I really don't like football. And I shouldn't say that, your, your brother's a good footballer, I know. And I live in Adelaide, like where they, they love it. But um, I guess I've just, I, I grew up playing soccer. Yes. And I like that, and, um, but I'm not even that interested in soccer anymore. I'm just so obsessed with running. Yeah. And, and like I, um, but yeah, anyway, it's, it's just funny. It, it's such an interesting sport, marathon, because of the... So tactical, and it's, been, and it's been broken down so much over the years yeah. into, you know, so many coaches have approached it from so many different angles, and to, yeah. and now we're looking at like, the, just look at the marathon progression in terms of the men's and the women's times. Oh, and even yeah, Kipchoge, and that's yeah. you know the sub two or breaking two. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think too having an understanding of a sport definitely adds to your 
you know, passion and whatnot. I, I don't fully yeah. understand cricket either and yeah. even tactics in cycling because I can't quite understand yeah. um, you know, the packs and how the teams are working it's together. It's so different it's, it's to like a big to, race, yeah. like a marathon race. Yeah. And I was watching the because the tour down under was here, and yeah. I find it. I actually find that really interesting to watch. And yeah. I do watch the um, the Tour de France. But yeah, I'm a bit the same. A bit confused because there's different roles within each yeah, team, and yeah. you know, whereas in a say an Olympic marathon, you're all trying to run your best race. Yeah, yeah. But in something like that, there's certain guys. They have no plan on winning. Yeah. There's no. You know, it's all about the team getting the team leader across the line. Yeah. And um. Which is a really weird thing if you did apply that to marathon running, mm. which is what they did in the breaking two thing, you know? Yeah. They, were, they were constantly... Did you watch the documentary? I did, yeah, yeah. I loved it. And I loved all of the exercise physiology behind it, the, yeah. you know, the nutrition, hydration talks they had. And that's something I get asked about a lot is the yeah. nutrition. And um, that's probably an element of marathon running that some people don't quite understand and appreciate until they've done it themselves. Like um, the guy in that Breaking Two documentary, the um, Tedesse, yep. um, he was the half up until recently was the world record holder for the half marathon, mm -hmm. but he never had any real success at the marathon because he didn't know anything about nutrition and hydration. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> he, it's just he amazing. <laughs> and and he's he's running. He's actually doing better at marathons now, but I think he might be past his prime. Mm -hmm. And. Um, I just, I, yeah, that's one of the big things I talk about a lot as a coach. And in ultra running, hydration and especially nutrition, yeah. such a big thing. Like in a 100k race, I'll eat more than 3,000 calories, you know. Mm -hmm. like, and so there's a lot of food goes in. Whereas in a marathon, like what do you, I know, I just read your uh, Toronto race report. Yeah. And that was amazing. Such an amazing yeah. race. And um, you did so well. And you talked a little bit about your gels and stuff. Yeah. And you had a little bit of a, but that's such minimal calorie consumption I guess you're only out there for less than two and a half hours yeah and it's a fine balance between um, taking on too much and upsetting your guts and then not having enough energy and it's something you definitely need to yeah. practice and so I've done 12 marathons now and my I guess approach has been adapted um, over the years so initially I was on one particular brand and then after two marathons I was just finding I couldn't handle that citrusy flavour so then I went to more of a vanillary flavour for about four marathons and then yeah. after Rio I was like nah I can't handle that one anymore and so then I switched to talk and I'm still sort oh, yeah. of on the, the talk now but I've, I've, I've had the talk gels they're not yeah. bad they've got some unusual um flavours and yeah, stuff. Yeah it's like I'm going to have a banoffee pie now yeah. next is an apple crumble. <laughs> I think you need it because you get um you sort of get sick of flavours very quickly yeah you know like I um no, you've got to really like it. Yeah. My first marathon was the Sydney Marathon, and I um, I hadn't really, I went in and made all the rookie mistakes you could possibly make. I went out too fast, I didn't drink enough, and it got quite warm in the second half, and I didn't know about gels, yeah, really. Okay. And they were, they, were, they were handing out, um, I think the, the goo gels yep. at, at one of the age stations. Had never tried one before. <laughs> oh, I was no. like, so I did the, the rookie error. Right, yeah, I'll just try it now and see what happens. <sighs> and it was the worst mistake. <sighs> I think I had like a coffee one as well, and it was just I was just like, ugh. Yeah. So, hot coffee. Never yeah. tried it before. <laughs> Recipe. Before. It's the, the worst thing. So you learn and like and I did and I suffered through the last 10 kilometers yeah. of that one so bad it's interesting in um, Toronto they were handing out gels that were just pure maple syrup 
Mm. So I guess that's a safer choice for people because most just, people have had maple syrup in their lives. But yeah, it's just sugar basically. Yeah, I mean your your body is just going to convert that to energy anyway. It's yeah. a simpler pathway, you know, like just because you're, you're burning, you know, you're burning so hot. All your muscles are so yeah, they're, they're just crying out for it. And so that yeah. was, you don't want to put any barriers in the way of. Um, digestion you know like yeah. yeah it is hard to digest things because all the blood is going to your limbs you know like, exactly yeah. yeah and my approach has changed as well depending on the conditions of the race if it's a hot race and we're going to be taking on if I'm going to be taking on more water and electrolytes yeah and you generally you know take on carbs with your drink as well it, it doesn't put as much pressure on you to get as much in through the gels so yeah I love um, treating each marathon differently depending on the expected conditions and work out the sort of ratio of electrolyte drink to gels. And yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. I, I use um, it's actually it's one of my sponsors now. Um, is but I use um, Infinite Nutrition. I don't know if you're familiar with Infinite. I've heard of it. Yeah. They they do. So basically, they tailor make it to like they have like dietitians and stuff. I'm not trying to do this as an ad, but like, <laughs> it, is, it is a really good product because yeah. what they do is, um, and then they'll customise it to, to what you want. So yeah. what, with the, working with a dietitian, so based on your sweat rate, on um, your likes, so you can change the flavour, you can add more sodium or more carbs or less carbs. Yeah, it's a really or, good idea. Yeah, and um, you can have a stronger flavour, a weaker flavour. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is really good. And then basically... So it's got it's a, so it's a drink. So it's a, so you don't even need gels. Yeah, you know? yeah. So um, I don't know. Are you guys allowed to have in like the big marathons and that? Are you allowed to have that kind of stuff in your bottles, or does it have? Is there rules about what you can have in your bottles? You can have whatever you want. Um, it's just you know you'll Obviously probably get drugs. drug tested yeah. afterwards. So yeah. if you were going to do something silly, you'd get caught out in your drug test. Is caffeine allowed? Yeah, but I have to get um, my caffeine plan signed off by the sports doctor. Um, just to make sure that it's an appropriate amount. Oh, okay. So you've got ultimately, yeah. yeah, the Asada are there to protect the athletes and stop them yeah. from taking things that are harmful. And too much caffeine is considered harmful. It can be bad for the heart. And, yeah. yeah. And I mean, to be honest, too, and every runner will experience this at some point in their life. You have too much, too many cups of coffee before you go for a run. Yeah. And you can have some. Quick run to the toilet. So, well, yeah. That, yeah, it's a strategy that we, because I do a two-day carb load. Yeah. Um, and you want to make sure that you'll be able to go to the toilet on the morning of the race. So a bit of yeah. caffeine can help Kick you to prepare on. for the race, but too much, I guess, could. You don't want to add 15k. Yeah, in. exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a really funny, like, meme that's been floating around for years on the internet of some guy, some poor soul in a marathon, yeah. and he's completely lost control of his bowels. Yeah. Have you seen? I, I know him, actually. I yeah. do, really? <laughs> yeah, that poor fella. He's from Sweden. Oh, no. <laughs> he just has a laugh about it now, but... It's, he's, oh. he's famous for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> I, um, no, I've, I've had a couple of times where I've been on my, a long run, and I've like, right, I've got to find the nearest toilet. Quick. Yeah. You know, and that's what with my with gels and stuff, I, I try and stay away from caffeine. Yeah. I mean, because in an ultra, I try and have as much, I try and incorporate real food as well. Yeah. So I'll eat like a sandwich. Or, oh, wow. Um, you know, because obviously, you know, like I've done a, a number of 100k races, and in a 100k race, there's always going to be some walking. And so yeah. you just pull out your food and, 
eat, you know, something substantial. You know, yeah. you're going all day long. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, tried these energy lollies once, but trying to chew when I was running, I really struggled. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, maybe like you can get things that you can suck on. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting. I um, I think it's. Do you work with a, a like as your team? When you're at the national level, do you work with a dietitian, a sports dietitian? Yeah, so um, my first marathon was in 2012, early 2012, and I went into that one literally just working with my coach. It was all about let's just yeah. get the running training done. So Adam did it, and I went off to Japan, and um, I didn't even know what to eat the night before. I remember having oh, wow. this um, really spicy, garlicky ramen broth and I just thought noodles, yeah, yeah. that's good because I didn't really understand what was on the Japanese menu. So I went for that and heaps of kimchi, which is spiced cabbage. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not yeah. really thinking too much of it. Ran the next day, I was fine, but looking back now, I would never choose yeah. that the night before the race, but luckily did, it, it didn't affect me on did, race day. The night before a marathon, do you eat a big meal or do you, do you save your big meals for the morning? Uh, so say I have a 10 a.m. race or a 9 a.m. race, I'll yeah. have um, Friday and Saturday carb loading, which is basically, oh, I, I do like a low fiber carb load. So I'll yeah. have rice bubbles of all things. This is not my yeah. normal diet. <laughs> rice yeah. bubbles and toast with honey in the morning. I'll have rice or pasta for lunch, rice or pasta for dinner. Yeah. And then a carb snack, like, you know, toast and honey of the night. And I keep that pretty consistent on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. And then on the Sunday morning, I'll again just have like rice bubbles and toast Something with honey. Small. So yeah. I don't um, absolutely load it the night before because I don't want to wake up with sore guts or... Yeah. yeah. I've I've, I mean, I've made the mistake of you eat, eat way too much. I carb, I don't carb load as much these days with, the, especially in ultras, because you tend, it's funny, because you you know you're going to be eating during the day in an ultra. Yeah. You you don't need to be as loaded up on the carbs. Like, yeah. I think like I start eating five k's into an ultra. I, yeah. And I'm, I'm I'm a big eater. I mean, yeah. I'm not a big guy, but in a race, I'll I'll eat a Take lot. Take on a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, but in a, I mean. In a shorter ultra, even like a 50k, yeah, I'll probably only, I'll probably have some dates and because um, they've got a lot of sugar and a yeah, bit of sodium yeah. in them, and um, yeah, it's just interesting the differences. But yeah, never, I'd never. Basically, I would have the night before a big race, I would have a very small meal the, yeah. the night, the evening before, lunchtime the day before would be a big meal. Yeah, Lots okay. So you've got time to process it. Yeah. I mean, I. Obviously didn't really know what I was doing in my first marathon and then when I qualified for the London Olympics and um, sort of got into the SASI, the Sports Institute program here, that's when I started getting some support from you know, strength and conditioning coach and exercise physiologist who started looking at you know, anything from um, my lactate yeah. production, um, you know, and treadmill Going tests right and into the science and all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, sports nutritionist or sports dietitian, um, sports doctor starting to look at, you know, iron levels and things because typically distance runners and females can have at times low iron just from yeah. the foot strike hemolysis and things like that. So you sort of breaking blood vessels down with every foot strike and that's why really? runners can tend to have lower iron levels. I do not know that. Yeah. yeah. And sweat, you lose um, red blood cells in your sweat and your breath.
strength as well. So yeah. there are a lot of reasons why distance runners can tend to end up with lower iron. So once I started working in that support network, I've learned a lot about yeah. the rest, you know, the science of the sport, not it's, just the running training. It's a whole body activity. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, you've got to tell people that a lot when you're training. Like, it's not just about your legs. Yeah, you know? I mean, exactly. Your, your legs are the, are the wheels. Well, I think the head's one of the biggest things in our sport as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's another thing I want. Yeah. So the mind game is huge. And yeah. like you mentioned Kipchoge before. He's probably one of my favourite athletes. Me too. <laughs> not, not just because he's such an amazing runner to watch yeah. and how fast he is, but he's just so humble. And he's just got such a good perspective on on running and you know I'm sure you feel the same way yeah um, he has this calming kind of yeah um, he's like a, a, a Buddhist monk he's like the Buddhist yeah, yeah. He, um, I, when I was in Toronto we had a, a massage therapist who was there working with some of the uh, African athletes yeah, yeah. and uh, he was talking about Kipchoge because he goes over and works um, in Kenya with them and went to Kipchoge's camp and he's arrived on day one and Kipchoge was in the room making his bed, like a, a kit bed kind of thing. He was yeah. down there with the hammer and nails and whatnot actually making a bed for this massage therapist so that he'd feel comfortable and, and welcome. Yeah. Oh yeah, amazing. It's a, yeah, the humility. and that. that because he runs like a, a camp back in Kenya for yeah. up and coming runners. Yeah. And he's still he's there cleaning the toilets. Like yeah, just you know, he'd be the, probably one of the richest athletes in Kenya at the moment. He, he wouldn't need to do any of that stuff, but he does it. I think he's all about family and community. Yeah. Yeah, he cares. And I mean, I, I follow him on Facebook now. And yeah. I know. I could gush about him. I just love him. <laughs> I love, well, you start yeah. to learn about what drives people, and for him, I think mm. it's. It's not about his ego. Running is something a lot far greater, and that's why he's so good. Because yeah. um, you know, he, he's also, I think, a good example of what can happen when you have a career that hasn't been hindered by injury. Yeah. You know, he's um, since he was on the track. I think he's he was running on track back. He was 1500 meters, early 2000s. Yeah. And he's just progressively built up from there, mm. and he's never had any huge layoffs because of injury yeah. and um, he's had an opportunity to really build that just keep building and building and building yeah. and you know I think um, looking at his run at Berlin last year that amazing world record I, I, I think that if he had, had attempted the breaking two on that day he would have broken two hours. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. And Steve Monaghetti talks about the um, phone book effect. You know, you're just building up the layers. So you sort of have yeah. initially a few pieces of paper that are easily sort of torn. And over the years, you, you build up that thick sort of phone book and you go to... Yeah, you can't rip it. Yeah, rip it and it's, it's rock it. solid. <laughs> yeah. I, do, you, do you think... Um, I mean, I, I personally think, and I'd like to hear your perspective... If the, I mean, the two hours, it's like the new four-minute mile. Yeah. You know, um, but harder, a lot harder. And I do you think it... If it I mean, I think if it's going to get broken soon, it'll have to be Kipchoge, because there's no one even in, yeah. in um, nearby. But if he doesn't break it, I think it'll be at least another decade. Like Yeah. You know? And I don't... You know, someone you know, ran under four minutes for the mile and it kind of opened the floodgates. It started happening yeah. everywhere. I don't think the marathon will be quite like that. I think yeah, no. the uh, someone will break it and then it'll be, 
you know, a fair while until the next person can. I don't think suddenly everyone's going to be running sub two oh, once it's done. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you just have to look at the, um, if you look at, I plotted the marathon progression on a chart, on a graph, it's getting, we're right near the pointy end of the curve, you know, yeah, like, yeah. where the progression is sort of, although the last couple of years have been, have been good, but the progression has really slowed down. Yeah. And then, of course, Kipchoge was an exception. That's an outlier, that performance. Yeah. You know, over a minute yeah. of any world record, that is just phenomenal, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, I watched, I think I've watched the replay of that twice in its entirety. And, um, I mean, he dropped the pacemakers early. No one can hold him, you know. Yeah. Have you ever run Berlin before? No, it's one I'd like to do. So to date, I have done the Nagoya Marathon, was my debut. Mm. And then uh, the London Olympics, which wasn't the London Marathon course. And then I ran in Moscow, uh, went back to Nagoya. Yeah. I've done Glasgow, Melbourne, Rio, uh, London Marathon. Uh, Gold Coast, yeah. uh, Gold Coast Marathon in Toronto. So there are some big ones there still to do. There's New York, um, I don't know, maybe Boston or Chicago would be great one day. I'd love to do, really love to do Berlin and even Rotterdam. Yeah. Um, so I've got this whole... You've still got <laughs> quite a few under your belt. Um, so what's on the uh, agenda in the next few months or year or so? Yeah, well, I, we're sort of... The, the, January 2019, so this month was the opening for Tokyo qualification, uh, which is being held next year in August. So people can now run the qualifying time, but they haven't quite released the selection criteria. So it might be that you have to run under two hours and 30 minutes and the top three fastest times will be picked. Yeah. Or it may be that particular races um, give you a greater opportunity to accumulate points and it'll all be selection will be based on you know the highest point earners so that'll kind of dictate what I do yeah and um, yeah in terms of long-term future uh, my big goal is still to try and win a Commonwealth Games gold medal that's so, uh, a carrot so <laughs> close how many you've got a bronze two bronze two bronzes <laughs> uh, I'd try and so just close. bypass silver and try <laughs> yeah why not that, um, no that, your, um, your last bronze was great yeah, that no. was the hardest race I've done. Yeah. I, um, it's hot, wasn't it? Did yeah, it, it was hot. And I guess I tried to push the pace along because it was really slow early on. I think everyone, you know, knowing the heat was there. But I thought, this is just going to come down to an all-out 10k sprint at the end. So I kind of wanted to play to my strengths and, yeah. and get the pace rolling a bit earlier. And I guess we got to 37 kilometres and... And that all kind of caught up with me and suddenly I was sitting in fourth and was struggling to get one foot in front of the other. Yeah. But just had to keep drawing on strength from, you know, just the support the, the, I'd received. The, the, the mind games. Yeah, well I had people yeah. out there um, supporting me and, and then just the general Australian public were, yeah. were out yelling for all of the Aussies and oh. that really helped but uh, also the people that had helped me to get to the start line my like training partners yeah. yeah coach support I just had to picture my training partner well, Max who'd gone up to the um, the nudgy camp where we prepared for the com games he came just to help me out in those final few weeks so I was just picturing him in front of me thinking just Stay on Max's shoulder, keep going, you can do it. And then yeah. one of the Kenyans sort of fell back. And once I got into that third spot, I just had to hold on for dear life, get yeah. to the finish line. Oh. 
And so how so how long was the suffer fest for? When did I you... would say four kilometres of suffering, but two kilometres of really not quite with it anymore. Yeah. Like I can recall trying to run close to the crowd because it was shaded, but also because I just thought their energy will kind of carry me to the finish line. I, yeah. oh, I was really sick when I crossed the line. Oh, yeah. I think it just, yeah. I looked at my heart rate graph and it had almost spiked and then dropped down. I think my body was going into a bit of <laughs> shut down, yeah. shock. Um, well, they say, I mean, running at that level, at that at your level, like, so you're in a race. This is something I wanted to ask you about and it's a good segue. So you're pushing yourself, you know, in, in a race like that. And um, how close to your lactate threshold would you say you are running in a marathon? Like, are you, well, you know, I think my lactate threshold is probably around, say, 320. It's, it's yeah. not that fast, the point where I start to accumulate lactic acid. Um, yeah. And my marathon PB pace is 326 to 327. So oh, it's wow. only... So you're really close. It's a fine line. So my... Yeah, the way I like to run is just sitting a bit slower than threshold and holding it. <laughs> I guess what tends to happen too is as you fatigue, your th lactate threshold is going to change to an extent. Like, yeah. So you're, um, what they call it, when you get dehydrated. Well, the cardiac yeah. drift where yes. you've got less blood volume overall because you're sweating So your heart rate increases. Exactly. So yeah. less blood volume means you've got to try and, you know, and hyd so hydration become it's where you've got to keep that hydration going, which is incredibly hard. I mean, I don't know how much water. Do you know how much water you drink in a race? Like, obviously, that you've got that down to a fine art. Surely. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty 120 mils every 5k. There's eight stations. I probably don't drink much more than a liter and a, a bit just yeah. because I haven't trained myself to drink a lot I'm, I'm not generally a big drinker um, but yeah it's something I've got to work on I, I'd imagine that I might lose sometimes three liters of sweat so I'm yeah. certainly not so uh, there's a, there's a balancing point. it <laughs> and look and, and I realize you've got to find that fine line between drinking as much as you can without it giving you stomach issues yeah you know, like I, I realize because you can't like in an ultra you're going a lot slower and so you it's it, the well, ultra running is sub maximum heart yeah. rate. so I mean it's usually at an easy pace yeah you know if you were to run six minute K's in a 100k race mm. there's a very good chance you'd win you know most local 100k races you know mm. so like it's because it's more about just that continually going because yeah. it's, it's a, the mental game too isn't it there? so much yeah. of it yeah i mean it's just and being patient but um yeah, yeah. so um yeah the, the um the other race i want to ask you about is that the one in toronto where you got your pb yeah. so that gives you the sixth equal sixth fastest australian woman women's <laughs> time of all time which is incredible and you're equal with karen McKinnon. i know it's yeah that's so special karen it is I watched her at the Commonwealth Games in 2006 oh, and that so was good, so that emotional and, and just then, gives me goosebumps whenever I watch the replay and when yeah, my coach told me that I'd equaled her time. I to just, the second. Yeah. <laughs> like it's amazing. Yeah. And that was such a gutsy performance that she did. 
and and then to the cancer, and then she, she didn't last very long after no, that. No. It was so sad. It was, yeah. Um, I'm from the East Coast originally, and I actually lived in very close to where she was from. And so okay. when there was a big um, procession down, she was from Coldale yeah. or Coldcliffe, near, it's in, near Wollongong. Um, and she, um, they had a special big procession when she passed away mm. on her, for a funeral. And it was really such a celebration, but it was also really sad. And her kids were there, and mm. you know, like, because she sacrificed herself for her, mm. her, her unborn mm. baby. Because I think the option was have chemotherapy and lose the baby. Mm. You know, it's pretty sad stuff. There's so something about her personality, doesn't it? Yeah, and I mean, yeah, but that run, I mean, that's one of my favourite. That's my favourite performance, I think. Oh, it's up there. My, yeah. Yeah, from an Australian athlete. Yeah. My other favourite one is uh, Andrew Lloyd at the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> 5,000 metres. <laughs> yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. There's two, two things about that race I love. That five, if you haven't, if anyone's listening and they haven't seen Andrew Lloyd finishing, um, it was in Auckland, 1992, I think it was. Uh, 98, I think. Uh, oh, hold on, Auckland. It was, yeah. It was early, it was in the 90s. Maybe it was early 90s. But if you just Google Andrew Lloyd 5,000 metres, it's probably one of the most exciting races you'll ever yeah. see. And, um, but it's also got one of the best commentary performances from Steve Monaghetti I've ever heard. Yeah. I think he blew his top in that race. Because yeah. like, he couldn't believe <laughs> how well. If you listen to his commentary, my wife just laughs and laughs. <laughs> and whenever I need to get motivated to go for a run, if I leave, I whack the last few minutes of that race on. And <laughs> you get yourself. I get all pumped up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, um, but yeah, no, Andrew Lloyd, he was a good Australian runner. And um, but, I mean, it's interesting when you look at Australian running, how it's changed. Aside from yourself and a couple of other great athletes, we don't have um the Robert De Costellas and the Steve Monaghetti's, in, in the men in particular, performing at that level anymore. Like, mm. I, mean, I didn't know this, but Robert De Costello was the first world champion over the marathon. As yeah. in, not just the first Australian. There were no world championships before that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So he, um, I, was, I was just looking at it. That was the, f- and he had the world record for the marathon. It was two oh eight or something. The world and of sport has just changed so much since then too. Like, there's so much to try and follow as. We were yeah. saying before, you know, watching cricket, cycling, like to yeah. to really follow one sport now, you, it's it's quite um, it's tricky. Super <laughs> hard, yeah. yeah. No, I um, but anyway, no. So I think um, there was a really the the sort of the, the slower. I guess I mean it was just a different time, and there weren't as many African athletes, I think, as well. But even um, so, their times are still quicker than a lot of the current marathon running males in Australia. Even though there weren't as many African athletes racing then, they still were running like yeah. two hours and eight minutes sort of thing, which yeah. <laughs> hasn't happened in Australia for a while. It's really weird, isn't it? I mean, it's no disrespect to the current like Australian men, male runners. I think just yeah. things have changed generally. Yeah. It might be to do, I, can't, I couldn't tell you what it's attributed to. There's a great documentary that I um, saw, um, it's called Running to the Limits, I think. And it's about this British journalist and he's just an amateur um, runner. He, yeah. He'd done the London Marathon in four and a half hours. So yeah. quite, quite average for an amateur. And he was a, a beer drinking, you know, slightly overweight, and he wanted to see, because in the UK they had a similar problem. Yeah. There was something, there was a huge number of athletes that were running under two hours 20 
you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. But now there's hardly any that are running under two hours 20. Yeah. And so he wanted to see what it could take for an amateur athlete to get to elite level. And so he, for two years, he did nothing but train. Yeah. And like, he, I think he got some sort of sponsorship to do it and he documented the experience. And he was trying to get the, the elusive 220. Yeah. To go from a four hour 30 marathon yeah. to 220. And he came so close. Yeah. Like, he was, it was an, it's incredible to watch. Like this guy, it, it, it basically broke him. Yeah. He went, he got his half marathon time down to like 113. Yeah. Which is pretty big improvement. And then I think his marathon time, he got down to about two, two and a half hours. Yeah. So right. incredibly close to getting yeah. considered for Olympic selection. Yeah. But um, I think he was at that point where he was like, I just, this is, he said, this is the point where my natural ability kind of ends. Yeah. Where and, and like. Reached his potential. And no matter how much he worked, he wouldn't get, he couldn't really get beyond that. And I, I thought it was really fascinating. You, sh you should check it out. Like it's, it's a really interesting documentary, and he gets all the best coaches and gets all the science and just and does a lot of um, lab stuff. Have you read Endure by Alex Hutchinson? That's another sort of exploring the limits of human potential and looking at all of the no. limiting factors. That one's fascinating as well. So he looks at the mind and nutrition, yeah. biomechanics, and just sort of speaks to the experts and. Yeah, that, that is, um, I have to check it out. So what's it called? Endure? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, no, I, I will check it out. So what do you do to, to prep yourself for a race mentally? And um, so I know you've mentioned it a few times, the mind is such an aspect. Last week I interviewed this um, awesome trail, trail runner and track runner, she does steeplechase, Simone Brick. Yeah. And she talked about her mental game is she looks at it like building a campfire yeah. and all the different elements that go into building a fire, uh, part of the psychological game. And then the, um, the match is the starter's gun. Yeah. And, and um, I don't know if you have like some kind of analogy or a strategy. I have it a bit of an analogy for the actual race, but the preparation is a huge part of the mental prep as in the training. So to get those, you know, two and a half whatever hour runs done where you're kind of kicking down the last half an hour, you, you know, covering so many Ks per week and I think that is the hardest part. If you can get through all of the training, you get to the start line and you're sort of, you know, you're ready to reap the rewards for the hard work. So in the lead up, I'll be visualising, I guess, the setting where I'll be racing and yeah. picturing different scenarios that might happen. Um, if, you know, I'm thinking it's probably going to get tough at 35 kilometres. I like to know sort of whereabouts on the course that point is and I'll try to position any friends and family <laughs> whoever who might be at the race at those points where I know it's going to get tough and I'll also think of some strategies that I'll use when the going gets tough and it's usually unique to each race so before an Olympics if you know my old primary school Narracourt primary school they'll they've sent some videos in of them sort of singing and they changed the lyrics to be cheering for me oh, and I, I God, sort of nice. think I'm going to think of that at 35 kilometres or whatever and yeah. I have little mental strategies but when I start a race I think of my body as a vehicle and I think it's well tuned and you know fresh ready to go and I've just got to get the fuel in and steer it yeah. you know, on the shortest course and keep revving and it. there is yeah and there's there's no alternative to it doing what it's meant to do I sort of just think it's it's just a car it's <laughs> I, I thought I had a feeling because you mentioned before about how you were instructing your body I read your, your um 
your race report from yeah. Toronto and you talked a lot about instructing your legs to do something. Yeah. Almost like they're independent from the rest of you. Yeah. And so I, taking the emotion out, I guess, for the first half yeah. and just thinking efficiency. Yeah. But then inevitably later in the race, I let the emotion come in. I visualised those things I was telling you about and yeah. you're just doing whatever you can do to get to the finish line. It's funny how like um, fatigue can really strip away a lot of things. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a very similar thing in an ultra, except that in an ultra, you dip into that pain, the pain cave, sort of more slowly. Yeah. Uh, and then you're in it for longer. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, you know, in an ultra, they always say start out slow and then slow down. Yeah. And that's so true. Even if you're a fast ultra runner, it's generally like you're running so much slower, but it's the same experience. Like, and you do, there's those times where your brain is going to want to throw negative things at you yeah. and your body because things hurt and you just want it to be over. Yeah. And um, you might just have to start singing a song in your head or doing whatever you can do to distract yourself. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I, I mean, one of the things I do is. I try and really look around and get yeah. outside my own head. Yeah. I, I try and focus on maybe other runners or focus on if I'm running a, doing a trail run, trail race, you know, try and take in the scenery. Yeah. Or I think about like, it's so dumb, like what species of tree that is, yeah. and, you know. Well, or, do, do you, have you read Dina Castor's or Dina no. Castor's book? That's another good one. Um, I'm just trying to think what the title of it is but if you look up Dina Castor book she talks a lot about being grateful so when she's yeah. getting fatigued you know looking around and being grateful for the you know, everything you what's around her yeah no it's amazing um yeah it's yeah, there's so much you can do mentally and I think the biggest thing is and I say this to all the people that coach is don't erase it's like it's like a river and like you're jumping into the river when the gun goes yeah and you can do two things. You can let the river sweep you along yeah. and just go with the highs and the lows and get go, and it can be rough. Or you can jump in that river and swim for your life yeah, and yeah. actually take control. Yeah. That's what I try and do. So like take control of your nutrition, take control of your hydration, yeah. take control of your mind game. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. Like, it is, don't let, because I, like, like I said the other day, I, I rolled my ankle and I had to stop because it, it, I did it, it blew up and it was yeah, like, oh yeah. no. And, I mean, those sorts of things don't happen very often, but, and it, that ended that race, but generally, you know, negative things will happen along the way, unexpected things might happen. I suppose in a race, in a, in a big marathon, you might miss a drink bottle or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. You've got to just adapt and, and move on, you know? Yeah. Like, I know that famously Robert De Costello was at the Olympic Games, favorite to win, he missed a drink bottle and yeah. he actually slowed it, went back to get it or yeah and that was the end of his race yeah you know like yeah. he couldn't get back on the on and the that's pack the issue that. with zoning out too much in a race is you can yeah. miss key you know stations like that exactly you're on the wrong side of the road yeah. and you come around a bend and there's the drinks yeah. yeah and i mean a lot of people don't realize in road marathons yeah I mean, especially when you're fatigued, it's so hard to change direction. Yeah, you know, like, oh, absolutely. I've had times in races where I knew that if I even took a corner too quickly, yeah. I'd go down and never get up again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you and you've got to, and that's the biggest, the biggest difference between trail running and road running. Trail runners often have to have much bigger legs, and yeah, because there's a lot more lateral motion. Yeah, and um, obviously you need the heel strength and whatnot. But um, you know, you look at the some of the, I mean. Kenyan runners and some of them, even the men, they've got, they've got their calves are like yeah. bigger than my forearms. Yeah, they're yeah. tiny, but you know, you put a little corner in there and they'll fall over. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, there's nothing worse. The thing I hate most in road races 
is um, turnarounds. You know, when you've got hairpins, hairpins, because yeah. you just slow right. You have to slow right down. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's sort of hard to get back on pace, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's yeah. quite a technique. Yeah. Do you practice that in training? Like, if I know there's a course that's going to have a lot of hairpins, we yeah. make sure we incorporate a little bit of that in training because I think. That's yeah. where, um, you know, Africans are obviously brilliant runners, but they perhaps, when there are technical aspects of a course, that's where we yeah. can probably um, get a little bit of an advantage is training, yeah. you know, to... It's, um, absolutely, like, you've, you've got to, yeah, I love that, the race specificity. Exactly. You know? And I'm sure you do a lot of that with, with your coach, yeah. with Adam, and, and um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. But when you're training, um, for a, a, a big, generally like a big marathon or whatever, Olympics or Commonwealth Games, and you're building up, what is your, um, if you don't mind sharing it, I understand training can be a little bit of a secret for a lot of people because it's sort of like secret recipe, yeah. uh, 11 herbs and spices. <laughs> but um, what sort of mileage are you, looking, are you doing yeah. when you're reaching the, the peak of your training? I don't think Adam minds you know, sharing those things because it is so individual to each person. He's all about sort of that exactly. individual approach and what and I And what did, works for you is not going to work for me. Yeah, and what I did four years ago is yeah. so different to what I did, say, for the recent Commonwealth Games because my body's more conditioned to, to running training. So it started with my first marathon, maybe up 150, 160 kilometres, and I felt like I was so vulnerable at that point, and that was my real peak mileage. But before... The Commonwealth Games got up, you know, occasionally above 200 kilometres and I was feeling okay, but it's yeah. just all those layers and years of training, so... That's incredible. Um, that's a huge, a huge amount of time Well, yeah, it's often feet. broken up into two, two runs a day, so I yeah. tend to do two gym sessions, more probably for injury prevention um, as oh. opposed to working on power and whatnot in the gym, but, um, and then long run Sunday, medium long run Wednesday, and then yep. two to three sessions with one of those in marathon prep will be like a long tempo run. Yeah. So a long tempo run, what, 15, 20? Um, goes from between like 40 minutes to get up to sometimes like an hour, 70 minutes leading into the race. And when you're running a tempo, sorry to get into the specifics, because I find it really interesting. So um, are you running your race pace tempo is it or is no, it more closer to your threshold yeah. um it's slower than race pace so yeah. we sort of call the threshold run you know where you're running pretty hard yeah. um yeah that would be more your sort of 6k kind of session but for those yeah. tempo runs it's more the pace that you can run at where you're not dipping you know, below that red line like you, yeah. you feel like you could maintain it for a long time um, it feels quite comfortable at the beginning but towards that sort of you know 50 minutes to 60 minutes it, it starts to get a bit um probably mentally tough more than anything yeah it is hard i mean and you um so yeah that no i could i could ask heaps about your training i mean it's yeah. like i was saying like what works for you if i went and tried to do it and I know people try and do this with other people. They'll follow them on Strava, copy their training, and then break themselves, you know? Yeah, and, you can probably maintain it for a few yeah. weeks, but if you haven't got that, those, you know, foundations, and also yeah. just, 
knowing the recovery and everything you need to do with it. It's so one thing important. to copy the training, yeah. but what people are doing outside of training matters a lot too. A lot of people are really reluctant to have to recover. Yeah. You know, they think that if they're not training, they're not getting better. Yeah. And, and like your adaptations are it's a huge part of the process, isn't it? Absolutely. And yeah. like, and. Oh, we've got a bit of thriller on now. <laughs> it's been a full Michael Jackson mix in the cafe. That's all right. I'm sure it'll, everyone loves it. a bit of Michael Jackson, a bit of MJ. Um, we, um, you know, like I put in rest days for people and, and that means they just, they have a lot of trouble resting. And I was like, you know, prioritise sleeping. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, you've got to get plenty of sleep. You know, I've got three children that are quite young and I never get enough sleep. But I mean, I still... So I'll prioritise sleep over a training run at the moment. Yeah, sleep and nutrition, I think, are two hmm. key ones. Yeah, and I mean, it's... So for you guys, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm sort of thinking that, like, I want to stop calling my rest days with, with, with people that I coach. I might just call them adaptation days. I think that... I think the wording's a huge part of it. Yeah. Because people rest, suddenly people think slack. Yeah. But if you think adaptation, it's like, actually, my body's working hard to to start, you know, lay the building blocks so that I'm stronger for the next session. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want your next session, you want every session you do to be quality. Yeah. And if that quality means it's a, it's a long, slow run, but you've got to do it properly. Yeah. Know? And, um, uh, or it's going to be a speed session, it's got to be a qu- quality speed session, you know? Like, no, so, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, and so with your... Um, I, never, I actually never even asked you about your career yet, but I think a lot of people know where you came from, or they've not followed you over the last few years, and um, you know, marathon performances at international level uh, have been pretty well documented and amazing. But like, what about um, you know, going back in time to school and stuff? Were you yeah. a cross country runner? Or yeah. Track? So in primary school, I grew up in the Narraport in the yep. southeast. So I ran cross country uh, right through until finishing high school. I went to boarding school at Annersley College here in Adelaide for the last um, few years of school and then played a lot of netball. So finishing school I probably focused a bit more on netball for a couple of years and then when I turned 21 I shifted my focus to to running because I'd been playing a few different sports and they were starting to get in the way of each other. So I thought let's give running a a red hot go. Um, Did you in school, did you know, did you sort of see, were you doing well in, in athletics and cross country? Did you sort of think maybe you had a bit of potential or did someone say, hey, you should do this because you're good at it? I, the, the longer I ran, the, the more success I'd have. So, yeah. you know, 800 when that was the longest distance that sort of, I got to represent the state, you know, in Sapsaza and whatnot. But then when 1500, 3K were available, I had a bit more success there and, um, you know, I, I did love it, but I also got very nervous. I put a lot of pressure on myself for those races at school yeah. and um, probably always was nervous because I hadn't fully prepared for a race because I'd been playing netball and basketball and other sports. So I was lining up feeling like maybe some of the other girls had, you know, prepared more for that race than I had. So now that I can line up knowing that I've prepared as well as I can for a race, I actually feel less nervous. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's interesting. Um, you said with netball, it's um, so funny. Netball, people always say, oh, running's so bad for your knees and stuff. And I mean, up until recently spraining my ankle, I very rarely get injured. And yeah. I'm, I'm, 
netball is probably more damaging to your ankles and football uh, knees yeah, and ankles yeah. so I know so many people who've had double knee reconstructions because of yeah netball because it's that stop and start and those acute injuries like yeah you know tearing an ACL you don't touch wood tend to see as much of that in running but well, unless there's a, a fall or yeah. something like that but yeah absolutely like I um yeah I, I really it sort of frustrates me sometimes when you get your, people who want to have a go at runners because oh, it's so bad for you it's like well the other what do you want, what shall I do yeah Nothing. yeah yeah you know, take up as a physio and, trust me yeah <laughs> running's um yeah a lot better than the alternative of being inactive <laughs> yeah exactly and it's funny like when I first started training for my first marathon I remember getting a lot of problems I had shin splints I had um oh, my knees were sore so yeah because I, I just didn't know how to train properly yeah yeah but the more I run the less of those, of those painful yeah. injuries and and um, it's really interesting you know what, how the body adapts as well and that's my favorite thing as a physio is seeing someone who's you know just overcoming those initial hurdles when you start running of some knee pain and ankle so you know just as your body's starting to get stronger and more conditioned to it and then seeing how much people fall in love with it once they've overcome that tricky patch of starting out <laughs> yeah I know it's so um it's, it's really great to see. Like, yeah. um, so you, do you work with like just all types of people or mostly sports people for uh, physio? All types, yeah. yeah. So we, our clinic's got a real focus on overall movement patterns and not just honing in on the sore part, but how yeah. a person moves generally and yeah. trying to make sure they can squat well and so lunge do you, well. Do you focus a lot on... Um, you know, strengthening exercises for people like um, yeah strengthening but um, more so practicing moving in a particular way and then your yeah. muscle timing and, and strength that, that yeah comes. do you do like a gait and any gait analysis or anything like that do a little bit of that yeah yeah and that's another thing too even I mean I know there's a lot of evidence now that suggests you don't want to change a runner runner's gait too much mm. you know however I think there are some changes you can make if yeah. someone comes to me and I'm coaching them, and the first thing I notice is they're swinging their arms wildly across their body. Yeah. You know, I fix that. Yeah. But, I, you know, there's certain things that you just, you know, I look at someone like um, Haley Gabrisolesi, the yeah. Ethiopian. Yeah. You know, he had one arm higher than the other all the time when he ran. Yeah. He broke the world record a few times. And some... Yeah, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But if yeah. someone's having, you know, ongoing injury troubles, that's where you might want to look at things. And I think that's where symmetry is something you can aim for. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's interesting, yeah. Um, I was just going to ask you, so um, your partner, Dylan, Yes. he's not a bad uh, 800 metre runner. <laughs> <laughs> I've, um, so he's, I, I, I met him once before, and it's funny because um, it was in a race at the, um, it was the Chambers Challenge. Oh yeah, the hill. The running, running <laughs> He <assailant>. loved that. <laughs> and he's done it, and like, I remember, uh, you, you should give it a go. I mean, I, I came, I spoke to him at the start line. And so for those that don't know, the Chambers Challenge starts at the bottom of Chambers Gully in, you know, in Adelaide Hills, runs straight up to the top of Mount Lofty. Um, and it's about nine or 10 kilometers. And it's pretty tough. It's like a, especially the first four Ks or so, you're basically running up some pretty steep hills. <laughs> um, and so I thought I was, because there weren't many people turning up at the race and I thought, wait, I might be a, I might be a shoe in here. Got, and then someone goes, oh, Dylan Stenson's here. And I was like, 
who's he? And I didn't know who he was. <laughs> and he goes, he's like a national 800 meter runner. And I'm like, oh, 800 meters? And, but like, I managed to keep with him. I kept him in sight for the first couple of kilometers. And then once it actually flattened out a little bit, he was gone. I think, <laughs> I think I was a distant second, about five minutes behind. I love to tell him this story. <laughs> no, he was really, and he was waiting at the top and he was clapping everyone in. It was really good. <laughs> but like, I'm coming from like being a 100k runner. Yeah. And versus an 800 meter runner. <laughs> who's a, I mean, it was just a training run for him, obviously. But yeah, I actually, I was really stoked that I kept him in my sight for at least, a couple, <laughs> for at least the first few kilometers. And then, I, and then I think he was able to open the stride out a bit on the flats. And um, yeah, it was, it was good. You should give it a crack. It's a good, yeah, it's a good I should. Yeah. It'd be a great one to do. All those hills are tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the steep hills. Yeah. So that, this is the thing I wanted to uh, finish on soon before, there's one more thing after this. What would, um, what would it take to get you to get into the ultras? Would you, have you ever considered a, a, a doing an ultra trail? Like... Well, I'm such a nature lover. I really do. Having grown up in Narracor, we did our running on a, you know around the pine forests and whatnot. And my favourite runs around the world, and even here in Adelaide, are you know foresty type yeah. runs or in you know Belair National Park and whatnot. So I want to do more of that when my training isn't so specific to marathon running. But whilst I'm trying to still get the most out of myself as a marathon runner yeah. I'll just tend to, I stick to the flat really unless I yeah. specifically need to train for hills some of my recovery runs I'll do through an undulating um, steps but I think yeah I I hope to jump in some races later on in. very cool because I think I mean as I said like especially in the longer runs like over 50 kilometers you're quite often I mean you're running and like it's it's so it's sub maximal. You know, when you your threshold, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it gets hard in other ways. Yeah. But it's um, so you, you know you've been running your easy pace most of the race. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. It's just mate, keeping it going. Yeah. Like your all day pace. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with any of the ultra runners. And the, there's a guy named Jim Wormsley. Uh huh. And he's um he's from America, and he's probably one of the the. He's like the greatest trail runner at the moment of all yeah. time. Yes. He, last year, he won the Western States 100 miler. He broke the course record. It's like the most prestigious trail race in the world. Yeah. In um, 14 and a half hours, 100 miles on wow. the trails, like smashed the, the course record. And now, and he's done heaps of trail races. Yeah. And now he's actually going, he's American, and he, he's trying to qualify for the Olympics oh, in wow. the marathon. Wow. And so it's a huge change. And he just did the uh, half marathon on the weekend uh, in Houston. Uh-huh. They ran some quick times there. 104. He, he did a 104. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, so he's qualified for the Olympic trials. And so... That's huge. Yeah, so to 104 half. Yeah. It still only got him, I think, like 27th place or something. Oh, the female winner got tw- uh, ran... S- Maybe it was M. Sisson, the American. She ran 67.30, which that just blows my mind. <laughs> You're a, a 110, 59. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. That's yeah. pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. I want to try and work on that one. but is that, Are you aiming for half marathon this year, early on? Maybe, yeah. I haven't planned any races yet. So. Seems like a good, a good sort of progression up yeah. to back up to the marathon. Exactly. And, I mean, you're... You do pretty well over 10,000 metres as well. Yeah. My PB was in 2015. I yeah. sort of haven't run 
people specifically train for too many track 10k sits just because it's not it's my favourite event. But <laughs> it's pain. I think it will be more. It's more painful. Yeah. I get more nervous. A bit like you probably. More nervous before a 5k yeah. than I do before a really yeah. long race. Because I think with a 5k or 10k, it's like straight into the pain. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, but yeah. So I, I think. I mean. Guys like this Jim Wormsley, like you should look him up. He's got, he's he's sort of breaking down the barriers between trail running and um, and marathon running. Like he, yeah, I will he, look him up. He, he trains his um he trains for his ultras like a marathon runner. Yeah. Like he does insane mileage, but also insane elevation yeah. as well. Like um, I've been following him on Strava for a couple of years, and it's just yeah, it's just, his training runs are pretty breathtaking. Yeah. But he doesn't follow. A structured plan you yeah. know like a lot of the trail runners don't follow structured plans unless they're working but like oh, these are the top level guys um they'll just do um by feel yeah which you know i think is a bit strange i mean they, there's a lot of natural ability out there but um but definitely having that ability to run fast over the flat it does yeah. translate quite well yeah over the trails you know um uh-huh. so yeah i don't know should do it. I think everyone listening on the podcast will be like, Jess, come and do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll when I go home I'll look up the schedule and even see if there's something I could incorporate in yes. you know, locally yeah. on a Sunday. <laughs> you, you should, yeah. Um, all right, so to finish off, I do the same thing with everyone. Yeah. I do a thing called the fast five. So okay. Five questions, fairly quick answers. Yeah. Um, and we just they're fairly easy. Um, yeah. And just you don't have to you don't have to embellish too much. Okay. Okay. Question one: If you could go for a run with any celebrity, living or dead, who would it be? Oh, far out. Uh, can I say Kipchoge? <laughs> sure, you can. <laughs> I'd yeah. love to go for a run with Kip- Elliot. <laughs> yeah, me too. No, it'd be great. And look, that that, that kid or not, or not necessarily be a runner. Um, okay. So I want you to finish this sentence. Number two is five years from now, I want to be. Uh, oh golly, I, I'm a thinker. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, faster over the marathon than I am currently. There you go. Good on you. Number three, what is your favourite type of workout? Um, I love this three by five k session we do before a marathon, where you run the first one five seconds slower than marathon pace, the middle one at marathon pace, and the last one five seconds quicker than marathon pace. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just the confidence you gain from that yeah. session is what I love about it. Sounds it. like quality. Yeah. Um, question four is what is your favourite post race drink? So after a big marathon, what do you? Uh, aside from like rehydrating. I can easily say food. It's a burger and sweet potato fries. Um, it really varies on the the conditions, the drink, but I. So Mojo are a sponsor of mine, but I love their kombucha. So I find different flavours of that really refreshing, particularly after a race, the ginger one. Um, If you're talking about an alcoholic drink though. Whatever. uh, I've had mojitos before afterwards. I find them really refreshing. Nice. Yeah, and I think after you've done a big campaign, you want to uh, celebrate a little bit. Um, Okay, question five is, which side of the fence are you on? Headphones or no headphones? No headphones. Right. Yeah, I like to hear what's going on around yeah. me. <laughs> Even on a long training run, like a yeah, yeah. All the time, I just 
I don't know, for safety, for just really being, you know, Present? in, in amongst yeah. nature, you just want to be hearing all the sounds that come with it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. All right. That's it. Five questions are done. And it wasn't a fast five because I was no. I thought about it too much. I know, it's, it's hard to do a fast five when the questions involve more than just a yes or no. Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, before you mentioned um, you're the second two weeks in a row now, kombucha has come up in a conversation. Yeah. And so it's I've never had kombucha. Yeah, I started drinking it in 2016 um, for its probiotic qualities and because I was coming home from a race craving something a little bit sweet and like more than just water and so I was probably going for juice saw this kombucha gave it a go and I really do feel like it's helped to settle down my gut I used to have issues with just um, gut cramping and bloating a bit sometimes in heavy training phases and I was trying to take the oral probiotics but I, I really rated it and so I'm glad that I've sort of been able to build a relationship with Mojo yeah I'm look I'm going to have to give it a crack soon because, um, yeah, Simone, who I interviewed last week, she was raving about how much she loves kombucha and, so, yeah. and how good it is. And I've just been, um, I'm just a bit slow to, to take up new things. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, yeah, so before we go, are there any, like, so you've, you've got a number of sponsors and, um, and is there anyone to mention or is there anything, any of your charities that you work, are you doing a lot of ambassador work and charity well, work? I'll mention my charity, so um, the Jodie Lee Foundation, um, they're all about bowel cancer prevention through screening um, and my mum's mum passed away when she was only 40 from bowel cancer so oh, wow. I've grown up with mum having the colonoscopies and whatnot so I'm really passionate about that charity and encouraging yep. people to take the screening test because even if something is found if you catch it early it's such a better prognosis yeah and particularly with runners we often just sort of write off gut pain as you know part of just running and probably upset it yeah. or something but I, I think it's really important just and, to yeah and runners often think that they're invincible yeah you know? oh I'm run I'm healthy I'm fine yeah but you know exactly these sorts of things it doesn't matter who you are right? yeah. yeah it can happen yeah. and then the Little Heroes Foundation I've been sort of working alongside them since 2012 and they're a great foundation supporting families and of really ill children so yeah perhaps illnesses that don't fit under the big categories that already get support and yeah. um yeah so that's that's a special foundation to be with and then sponsors i guess a recent one is um Southside suzuki they've been fantastic and are helping me with my i guess travel this year and a vehicle so i'm oh, really um that's great yeah, yeah. thrilled that yeah. the team there supporting me <laughs> and yeah. Adelaide Iron Laser Centre another one who've been very supportive just wanted to help a local athlete oh that's great yeah. uh, Iron Laser Centre it's yeah. actually funny you mentioned that I so this is something this is a bit of a public health message seeing as you brought that up <laughs> so if you're a runner and you spend a lot of time outdoors get your eyes checked so I um, have been running my whole life and so yes. recently I noticed this thing in my eye and I thought, what's going on here? Went to the doctor, and it's a thing called a pterygium, in my yeah. and it's a growth that um, from spending too much time in the sun. Yeah. And so, and basically, it's not it's not cancerous or anything, but it can eventually cover your eyesight. Yeah. And so it grows, and it's you just basically, it's a it's a problem. It, it's irritating. Yeah. And I, I at some point I'll have to get it removed, and um, which, so yeah, it needs su- yeah. surgery. And so it's funny you mentioned that. 
So wear sunglasses. Yeah. And wear cover up. Wear it is and, important. And a lot of runners will forget to put um, cream on. Yeah. Know? Spending all that time outdoors. It's yeah. Great. I had a little mole chopped out the other day, and it was a bit of a scare. It's all okay, yeah. but it definitely because oh. my yeah, I've got family yeah. history of skin cancer as well, so it's really yeah. important. Absolutely, and you're spending a lot of time out in the sun. Mm. So yeah, so it's all these things, and um, so you, yeah, you've mentioned a few good charities that you. Um, I'll put some links on the um, on my sure. page for that. Another ch- charity I want to mention is last week uh, with Simone, we talked about um, depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. and so and I, I mentioned about uh, Beyond Blue yeah. and about and people just uh, so throughout all of 2019, I'm get, on the podcast. I'm going to promote. Uh, I'm promoting people just taking care of themselves yep. and taking care of their friends. Yep. Um, and so check out, go to beyondblue.org yep. and just say, you know. Absolutely. If, you know, and, I mean, there's Are You OK Day and all that kind of stuff, but every day. You need to check on your friends every day. Depression doesn't happen just one day a year. It happens, exactly. You know. So, yeah. So, you know, we're humans. Running is great for mental health and, and physical health. But, and a you know, social outlet as well. But it's not, I mean, there are other things. Sometimes you need more. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Well, Jess, has been so good talking to you. And I think everyone's going to really love hearing what, about your story. And so, um, yeah. I'll we'll see you all out on the trails at yeah. some stage. So, just tra- so look out. If you see a, a flash go past you on the trail <laughs> soon, it'll be probably Jess in training for her first trail race, proper trail race. And, um, or training for, yeah, 2020. Who knows? <laughs> Good luck this year with Thank the training you. and I hope you uh, smash it. Thanks very much. Thank- I hope you enjoyed today's um, episode with Jessica Trengove. So good talking to her, and it was a real honour to to actually meet a real life Olympian. Um, Jess was very humble, and it was just it felt like I'd known her for a long time talking to her. And I'm really excited to see what she does over the next few years um, with marathon running and running in general. Hopefully, we can get her on the trails. Um, so just to, a few things to finish out the episode making reference so Jess mentioned that she's a an ambassador for the Jodie Lee Foundation so I highly recommend everyone go and visit their website it's the it's jodieleefoundation.org.au and it's for bowel cancer awareness and um I think it's such a good cause and you know it's very common unfortunately um and so early early detection early detection is the key so um yeah, so it's jodieleefoundation.org.au. Um, and another organisation that she mentioned is the Little Heroes Foundation. And their website is littleheroesfoundation.com.au. And that's another one that Jess does, um, does work for. And so, yeah, get on, get on board with that. It's so um, another worthwhile cause for supporting seriously ill children. So, yeah, whether you just don't make a donation to either of those foundations or just being a um a supporter in whatever way you can just making them more well known and yeah so that's the end of this episode and i look forward to next week where i've got another special guest and i'm very excited so thanks a lot for all your support and if you want to support me just a little bit more i would really appreciate it if you haven't already done so is maybe just write a review on like um 
Apple Podcasts and to say how amazing this podcast is. Um, I'm working on my audio production, so hopefully the episodes have slightly better audio quality in the near future. But I, again, appreciate every bit of support that you guys give me. Um, Five-star review would be even better. And um, yeah, have a great week and happy running.